0: Can I have a volunteer? (laughs) Muller? I'm just putting money in the relational bank account with Muller. He'll be right for another six months. (laughs) So so, um, here's the deal. I want you to carry it and don't stop. Um, When you've had enough, give it to someone else. And then they can carry it but I don't want it to stop being carried, okay? You've got to keep carrying it. If it gets handed to you, just pick it up and carry it and, um, until I ask for it back, which will be later. Clear? on your way. Thank you, Muller. That was close. Probably he is the last person I should have given it to. But, but we understand Okay, so the context, Jesus has asked the disciples who He thinks He is. Luke chapter nine, Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Son of God or you are the Messiah sent from God. After that, Jesus warns the disciples that He must suffer. Then He addresses the crowd about what it is um, to be a disciple that's really really important because Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20 tell us to go into all the world and make disciples that's that's what we call the um, the great Commission uh, telling us to go into all the world and make disciples well here in Luke chapter 9 Jesus is telling us what a disciple is he's teaching us about discipleship so we should pay attention he says um, this, if we go to Luke chapter nine, and we'll start from verse twenty-one, I think. And if you'd like to read along, that would be great. So, Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-one. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, He will be raised from the dead. Then He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be My follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow Me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for My sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when He returns in His glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Kingdom of God. That's often been confusing, that verse for people. But the Kingdom of God is invisible, it tells us in Luke 17. And uh, Jesus says the Kingdom of God is amongst you now. So these people were actually in the presence of the Kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Christ. They just didn't realise it. But Jesus here is giving some instructions about discipleship. I love the fact that the passage bounces out of verse 20 where He says, Who do you say I am? Because your response to that question is absolutely critical. If your response to the question, who do you say I am, is you are Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, then everything He said has got to be really important to you. If that's your response. Obedience to Him and to His command has got to be really important to you. If that's your response. The fact that you've said, Jesus is the Messiah, is the Lord, makes Him the ultimate authority. So anything He says is going to be of primary value to you. So the fact that you would answer that way, the fact that Peter answered that way, is absolutely, is an amazing answer and is really important. If you don't say Jesus is the Christ, if you are sitting there tonight even and you say, no, I don't think He's a Christ, well, just, just back as you were. Ignore everything else because it really doesn't matter. Why would you listen to Him if you don't believe He's the Messiah? There's no point. But if you believe that He is the Messiah, the Son of God, everything He says, are you doing all right with that thing? Yeah, give it to someone else. You're a bit of a crosshog. Oh, you give it to the guy with the neck brace. Good on you. <laughs> nice guy nice guy. Hey, let's go through the passage tonight, OK? Just a bit. I, I just want to teach you from the passage, because it's often misunderstood, this passage. So let's go to verse 23, and we'll start there. In verse 23, it says, Then He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to be, it doesn't matter where, the, where I look in the Scripture at the moment, this theme just keeps jumping up and slapping me. Want to if you want to be my follower. It doesn't say if you have to be my follower. It says, if you want to be my follower. Jesus doesn't make us do anything. People argue with me about that sometimes. But you tell me what Jesus makes you do. Nothing, nothing. He will wait until we come into a place of wanting to. He will sometimes provoke us to a place of wanting to. Sometimes situations are set up in such a way that we want to, but He won't actually make you do anything. Everything with Jesus flows out of the want to because it's not actually relationship if it's have to. And the whole point that He hung on the cross, that He died, that He says later, take up your cross, is because I think there were 613 or something like that commands in the Old Testament. And He says, that's not actually the way. The way is relationship with me. And that flows from the I want to. So He says, if you want to follow me. If you want to, but it's your choice. You don't have to. But if you want to, you must turn from your selfish." Ways, Selfish ways. The word selfish ways there, or other translations say, you must turn from himself or from yourself. The word selfish selfish there literally means to raise one's voice. To raise one's voice. In other words, I raise my voice to get your attention. I raise my voice because I want your attention on me. I'll throw the toys out of the cot, have a little tantrum or something, make some noise because I actually, it's about me and I want you to notice me. But what the Scripture's saying is you've got to turn from yourself. Or in other words, stop raising your voice. Stop trying to draw attention to yourself if you want to follow Jesus. It's not the way to do it. He says, if you choose to follow me, put that away. If you choose to follow me, Stop trying to make it all about yourself because, verse 25, if you make it all about yourself, you'll actually lose yourself. That's powerful. If you make it all about you, the very thing that you're making it all about, the very thing you'll lose is what you're making it all about, yourself. And then He says, take up. Take up. cross. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up. In other words, we choose to pick up the cross. That's an amazing thought. We choose to pick up the cross. A lot of people read that verse and you know you hear them saying, you go, oh, how's it going? And they'll go, oh, the situation at work is really, really bad, but I guess that's my cross to bear. But that's not what the Scripture is saying. That's called life. You're having a bad day at work? Welcome to life. Having an argument with your parents? Welcome to life. Do respect them, please. But welcome to life. That's life. That's life. You're having a hard time. You're struggling with a sickness or something. You're, things aren't working out. That is life. You don't get to choose that. I, um, I, I sold my boat during the week and I was standing on the trailer trying to clean it and I, um, I fell off. As you do. And... <laughs> I fell off and I really crunched my ribs and I really hurt something in here, which has made my whole week uncomfortable. Um, that's not taking up my cross, that's called life. That's called should have looked where my foot was before I put my foot down. It's called stupidity. It's life. It's, it's a thorn of life. Pain because I did something silly, but it's not, that's not what He means when He says, take up your cross. Taking up your cross might be the way that you deal with the things of life, but it's not necessarily the situation that occur. Take up your cross. We'll come back to cross in a minute. You going all right with that? Good, great. <laughs> if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. Oh no, go back. Turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily. Daily means daily. It means every day. It means intentionally picking it up. It's not just going to happen. It's a choice that we've got to make to pick up our cross. A choice on a daily basis. Pick up that thing and walk with it. And follow me, he says. Follow me. In other words, follow me. Be my disciple. Be the same as me. In other words, who are we following? Jesus. Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're not following friends. We're not following culture. We're not following the latest uh, self-help tip in a book. We're following Jesus. We're following what Jesus tells us. We're following how Jesus instructs us. It's kind of clear. Then verse 24. If... You try to hang on to your life. Your life means your soul, your mind, your breath. You'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The word save there is the word sozo. Saved, healed and delivered. So if you try to save your life, or if you try to, sorry, hang on to your life, you're going to lose the very thing you're trying to hang on to. Lose it means literally means destroy it. So by trying to hang on to it, you will destroy it. But if you don't, if you give it to God, you will be saved, healed and delivered. What it's saying? I think it's saying that the only way to have a full, flourishing life is to centre it around Jesus. That's what it's saying. Now, what I'm about to say is not a political statement, but it does tie in very well with the environment that we're in. What I think the Scripture's actually saying here is if if you make your life all about, or your goal, or your God for that matter, all about personal well-being even you'll fail even that you'll lose that's what it's saying but if you make your got life your um, if your personal well-being comes from god or from a god-centered life you'll succeed that's what it's saying if you make it all about me, if I make it all about me, if I make it all about my well being, that's with this, um, you know, like the well being budget, they call it. It can't work because it's, you can't find well being anywhere other than Jesus at the end of the day. That's where we find well being, is in a God centered life. So if we make finding well being all about ourselves and all about making ourselves whole and everything else, the Bible simply says that we'll be destroyed. It's not going to work, in other words, it'll fail. But if it make it about a God centered life, you will be saved, saved, uh, sozoed the word is saved, healed, and delivered. It's quite clear. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what is it to benefit the whole world? But to lose yourself, lost or have yourself lost or destroyed. Let's look at the cross for a minute. Take up your cross and follow me daily. In the first century, the cross was the most horrific thing. It was the most torturous, barbaric, shameful way to die possible. It was absolutely horrendous. I mean, it just wouldn't be allowed today, would it? But it was brutal in so many ways. It was shameful. It was horrific. In the Scripture here, it's referring to the cross metaphorically. But what it's saying is that we need to die to our own desires or the desires of self, the desires of sin, to follow Jesus. It's saying, OK, come on, to follow Jesus, you've got to push aside the selfishness. that all been about me. You've got to die to all of that stuff to follow Jesus. Well, I thought there was someone wearing a robe for a moment. <laughs> It's like, what the heck? (laughs) To follow Jesus. But your cross is talking to the difficult things that you choose to pick up for your faith, that you choose to pick up because you're pursuing Jesus. When it says, take up, if you want to, take up your cross and follow me, it's talking to those things that are costing you something to follow Jesus. And if we're honest, there is a cost in following Jesus. There always is, there always has been, there always will be. The cost could could be uh, for Jesus to be Lord of your life, could be self-denial, which is the opposite of selfishness. It could be mortality or moral issues. It could be character. It could be direction of your life. It could be purpose, kingdom, focus, courageous, belonging, big-hearted, issues, there's a cost to all of those to follow Jesus. For Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa what was the cross that she was carrying? It was Kolkata. That was her cross. Her cross wasn't necessarily an instant in life but her cross was the fact that she was called to Calcutta and she said yes to God to go there and she lived among the extremely poor and she ministered to them at great cost to herself. That's her cross. For Reinhard Bonnke, how many of you know who he is? Great. For Reinhard Bonnke, what is his cross? It's Africa. He had a vision of blood-stained Africa. He's sown His life into Africa and get into getting the Gospel into Africa. Uh, tens of millions of people have come to Christ through His ministry, but that's His cross. His whole world is sold into Africa. Sure, He's had problems and everything else along the way, but, but, uh, and the thorns of life happen, but the cross is to reach Africa with the Gospel. I wonder what your cross is. Kanye West. Let's assume that it's genuine. Let's just assume. We won't be cynical. Saul, Paul in the Bible, same kind of stuff. It's all otherwise proven. Let's just assume he's full on, he's forgotten. But what's the cost? What's the cross he's carrying at the moment? It's his reputation. That's a cross. He's a bold, brave man standing up doing what he's doing. There's a cost to his, re- that's, to his reputation, that is, the, that is his cross. What about Israel Folau? Now, I don't necessarily agree with the way he said things and how he did things, just don't worry about that. But what is the cross that he's carrying? Reputation, career, shame. He put it out there. What about this one, a bit closer to home? Jamie Strange. How many of you know Jamie Strange, who he is? He's a politician, Labour Party, and here in Hamilton. When we did the, um, the launch of North Campus, at North Campus, Jamie came, he was present there, and it was great. But he got slammed on social media afterwards for even being in a church and celebrating the, the uh, launching of a church family. He got absolutely slammed. Well, maybe that's his cross is the public opinion the shame toward him i was thinking about what my cross looks like because we all have a cross the bible says if you want to you pick up your cross i wrestled with my cross for a year before i was prepared to die to it before i was willing to do it god's way but my cost my cross is actually leading activate church and churches I've decided. It comes at a cost. It's not free. It changes stuff. You know, when I get on an aeroplane, if I sit down beside someone and we go, hey, how are you going? Yeah, good, good, good. And they go, what do you do? And they go, oh, you know, I work at the bank, whatever. And I say, they say to me, what do you do? I say, I'm a minister. End of conversation. If you don't want to talk to the person next to you on the plane, just tell them you're a minister. (laughs) It works every time. It's just like... (laughs) conversation finished. You've got to come up with something else like, oh, I'm a spiritual life coach type person. And then it'll go for two more sentences. But there's a stigma that you carry in the world in New Zealand today for being a minister. When I walk in sometimes to a room, you know, I'll be out of a room and I can hear the chat going on in there. Happy, happy, chat, 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 chat. I'll walk in the room and I can hear the air go out of the room. The pastor's here. Change your language. Stop talking about that. Stop talking about him, probably. Stop talking about that. Stop complaining about him. You you feel it. There's a cost. Now, does the cost bother me? No, it doesn't at all. I willingly pick it up. Willingly pick it up, because I know it's what God's called me to. But nonetheless... It is a cross that affects me day in, day out. It affects relationships. It affects uh, family relation or family dynamics. It affects um, every area of my life and my family's life because I've said yes to the call of my of God on my life. What's your cross? Because we all have one. How about this? For some of us, for all of us. A cross that we need to pick up is our thought life. Controlling our mind. Good thoughts. Thinking like Christ. That's a cross we carry every day. I can choose, every day of the week, I can choose how I'm going to think. Every moment of every day, I can choose how I'm going to think. Whether I'm going to think positive, whether I'm going to think in line with the commands and and the character of Jesus, or whether I'm going to think in line with the Community I live in, or the age I live in. That's a that's a cross that all of us carry. Maybe you don't think that one's close enough? What about language? What about the language we use? I choose to use language that is going to represent the King of Kings well. I don't have to, but I want to. I choose that. Well, can you do that? Well, I suppose you can talk like that if you want to, but it doesn't do anybody any good. I want to choose to control my tongue. The Bible says if you control your tongue, you're doing pretty well. I'm um, choosing to control my tongue and to speak in a certain way. Thoughts and language is one that we can all appreciate straight away. But what what is the cross that you're carrying? 1 Peter says this, it's really uh, It's really, really powerful. 1 Peter chapter 4, from verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship idols, their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. In other words, when you live a godly life, you will come under pressure. There's a cost to it. It's called picking up or taking up your cross. The question is very, very simple. It's this. Are you willing to take it up? That's the question that Jesus is asking in this passage. He's saying, are you willing to take up? your cross even if it means losing some close friends because that could happen it may not but are you willing what about if it means alienation from your family would you still be willing I grew up in a very very strict church and in the early 1980s The charismatic renewal was happening. Holy Spirit was moving powerfully in our nation, and my mum and dad weren't satisfied. They weren't happy with what they were being taught or what they were experiencing in the church that I grew up in, which was really, really legalistic. And so they decided to sneak over to this other church on a Sunday night just to have a look, to see what it was about, see what it was like. That church was actually Central Baptist here in Hamilton. And it all would have been really good, except essentially mum got saved. She says she could hear the angels singing with the band and the worship. She never ever went back to the church that we grew up, grew up in. But are you willing, we were excommunicated from our family. Family relationships just fell to pieces. We were, they didn't want a bar of us. We'd gone to the dark side. Are you willing, even if it means some alienation from your family? Are you willing even if it causes loss of reputation? Are you willing if it caused the loss of your job? Or are you willing if it was going to cost you your life? Because that's the question Jesus is asking Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Have you got a whatever it takes? Commitment. In other words, are you coming from the I want to, not the I have to? If you've got I have to is what's driving you, it won't, it just won't last. It's got to be the I want to that causes you to make the commitment, to have the willingness to make the commitment. Because at the end of the day, it's all about his purpose. It's not about our opinion or our preferences. It's about His purpose. So it all comes back to that I want to again. Either I want to serve Him or I don't. Either I want to be in relationship with Him or I don't. Either I want to pay the cost of being a disciple or I don't. I want to. It's a powerful statement. I want to do it His way or I don't. When you've got a moment, feel free to bring that cross back to me. Why I've got that cross and why we I built it the way I did, thanks man, is because actually this cross is quite light. It's not too much of an imposition to carry this cross around, is it? It's not too heavy, but it's heavy enough that you'll always be aware of it. you would never forget it's there. But in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, my yoke fits you well and the burden is light. In other words, you could see the command to take up your cross daily as a real imposition and something that's going to weigh you down and burden you and you're not going to be able to live. But that's not what the scripture tells us. He says, says, no, no, my, my yoke fits you well. In fact, the picture of the yoke is an agricultural picture of cattle pulling a plough. And the way the yoke was designed back then was that the stronger, larger animal took all the weight. Jesus is the stronger one in the relationship. When we wear His yoke, He takes all the weight. So for us, it's actually a comfortable fit and the burden's not heavy. The burden is light. But intentionally, I need to pick up, if I'm willing, my cross daily. And I need to understand that it's there and that I'm carrying it and that it's not a game. That actually I've made a serious commitment to Jesus. When I said to Him, I make you my Lord and my Saviour, I said, I am willing to pick up my cross daily and do it your way. And I'm carrying it. I wonder if we would live differently if uh, we walked into work or varsity or school tomorrow with this on our shoulder. And we went round the day with it. It might not be uncomfortable. It might not be heavy. You can even put some padding on it if you want to. But just the fact that you intentionally picked it up and took it with you for the day would no doubt transform our behaviour, speech and everything else for the day. And in essence, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us. Come on. Are you willing to take up your cross And follow me daily. The choice is ours, isn't it? Because, as I said right at the very start, He doesn't make us do anything. It's got to flow out of I want to. Can I ask you a couple of questions as I finish? At this point of time, what is your cross? What's your cross in your world? Remember, it's not the trials of life. It could be the way that you deal or choose to deal with the trials of life, but it's not the trials of life. What is your cross? Because he wouldn't have told all of us, because he spoke to the crowd when he said that. If you're willing, take up your cross. He wouldn't have said that if every person in the crowd didn't have a cross to pick up. What's your cross? Secondly, what does taking up your cross daily look like this week? Let's make it really practical. What's it look like this week? So if you can identify your cross or a cross in your world, I think we have several of them, what's taking that up look like for you this week? And then thirdly, What's one thing you can do? What's one thing you are willing to do this week in order to carry that cross? Because there's a practical step there if you're willing. What's the one thing? Just one. One's enough. So identify the cross. Identify the cross that you've been asked to pick up. What's that mean for you this week? And then what's one thing you can do? Because you're willing to carry that that cross. When I was at um, Bible college, I still was determined that I wanted to go down a path of business. And God wrestled with, well, I wrestled with God. He didn't wrestle with me. I, I, I wrestled with God the whole year because I knew that He was calling me in a different direction, but I wanted to go that way. There were no guarantees I would have made it that way, but that's the way I wanted to go. And so we wrestled all year long. And one of my arguments was to God was, well, God, I want to be able to do this, 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 this and this for my family. I want to be able to bless them. And God would say very clearly to me, yeah, but I've called you to do this. Are you willing? And it took me a whole year of wrestling. But by the end of the year, I'd come to the place where I said, Okay, Lord, I'm willing. No strings attached. What will be, will be. But I'm willing. You now, I stand here many, many years later and I go, Far out, I'm amazed. All those things that I was worried about, I've accomplished and more. Just about. Just about all of them. Yet all he actually wanted was me to say, Well, I'm willing. That's what he was after. It wasn't about the direction. It was just, am I willing? Whatever it takes, am I willing? And that's the question he's asking us tonight. Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow him daily? It all starts with the relationship with him. That's where it starts. Choosing to do it his way. Choosing to make him saviour and lord